Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. In Matthew chapter 24, today I want to talk about life among the lawless. Life among the lawless. We live in a lawless world and it's becoming increasingly so. Everybody say amen. It's just true. In fact, Matthew chapter 24, we'll begin reading with uh, verse 3. I'll begin reading with verse 3. I don't have it here in front of me. There we go. As, we are sit, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So this was a private briefing. This wasn't something that he gave. Or he spoke to the masses. And they said, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And we'll continue to verse four. Here we go. And there we go. And Jesus answered them, look at this. See to it. Yeah, I'll take that. Believe me. See to it that no one misleads you. That tells you everything you need to know about the, not everything, but a lot of what you need to know about the last days. That it will be a time of unbelievable deception. I mean, you know, and boy, are we ever seeing that. Oh, look, the one I gave him had teeny tiny print. (laughs) And this is the old one, not the new one. Okay. And so, uh, it's coming down. Let's see. Everybody, Everybody stretch out your hand toward the pastor and say, squint. (laughs) <laughs> From, he goes on to say, and we're going to deal with some of this later, not today. And Jesus answered them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will mislead many. I'm the anointed one and will mislead many. We're going to talk about what that means because it's not, it, it doesn't mean exactly what it looks like it does. If you understand what's going on behind it. He says, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. And see to it that you are not frightened. Oh, amen. De-squint. All right. See to it. Don't you just love live productions? Ah. Uh, see to it. Uh, for many, We are to see to it that we're not misled. That means the responsibility for that falls on us. Now, the Holy Spirit will work with us, but we've got to seek Him so that... We follow his voice so we'll know the difference between the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the stranger. I am the Messiah and will mis- I am the Christ and I will and will mislead many. For you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. We're there. See to it that you're not frightened. Calm yourself. For those things must take place. But that's not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation. That word is ethnos. People group will rise against people group. Race will rise against race and kingdom against kingdom, country against country. So we will see Luke augments this over in Luke chapter 21 with additional information, how there will be great turmoil. There will be insurrections. There will be riots. There will be all kinds of stuff like we've been seeing in France, among other places. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. 
At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. I'm wanting to get to that part because we'll come back again. Because lawlessness is what? Increased. Most people's love will grow cold. Again, Luke augments this with talk about toppling uh, uh, governments and collapses, economic collapses, political collapses, things of, of that. All of those things could be summed up as lawlessness. But the word there that is translated increased is under translated because it means to explode. It means to burgeon greatly. It greatly multiply. And we see that now that is a, what Jesus gave us was a view from from 20,000 feet. Paul gives us a view that's much more granular boots on the ground. He lets us know 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. And I'm reading this from the NIV uh, 84. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. You've heard me talk about this. The word translated terrible. That's a you know, that's much better than difficult. But the word chalapas means fierce, hard to take, even savage and violent. There will be terrible times in the last days. Why? Because people will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Again, we're reading the ingredients to the, to the cake off of the back or the muffin off of the back of the thing. And whatever is listed first is the most, you know, is the largest ingredient. Whatever is listed second comes in. But if you're going to be a lover of yourself, being a lover of money has to follow. Boastful, we're there. Proud, we're there. Abusive, we're there. That, and that's just on Facebook. Disobedient to their parents, meaning rejecting authority. Ungrateful, unholy, without love. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of good. Treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of ple pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, the idea is... Having something that they portray as godly. And people look at that as some sort of religious godliness. But they reject its power. What is the power of godliness? It is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. So in other words, they'll do all these things that look very religious. And we're going to talk about that too. I'm, these are just, I'm just throwing out these little, these are trailers before the movie. You know, and th you know about how that, uh, that, that many of these groups are co-opting Christian Symbols and and ceremonies to make to try to add credence. Just you want about all those trans people that dressed up as nuns, you know. And we'll come back to that. All right, but we won't go there. <laughs> all right, uh, lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness, but rejecting, denying there means to reject its power. Having have nothing to do with them. Everybody said amen. This, is this everybody? The answer is no, it's not everybody. But when Jesus says that a lawlessness will greatly increase, it will explode. It is going to, it is going to affect everybody. And you, some people are more lawless than others. You know, it's kind of like a sliding scale. I mean, if you've ever heard that term, once you get on the scale, you will begin to slide. You know, there's no doubt about it. But then after Paul says all these things to Timothy, he skips down to and he talks about men, you know, that spin doctors and 
evil men will get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But then he comes to Timothy in verse 10. He says, now you followed the word translated. Now they could translate it that way, but it's the post positive bit de, which I know you couldn't care less about that, but the, it could be translated and often is. But so he comes to Timothy. He says, but you all of these things are going to happen. But you everybody say, but me followed or but I followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose. My faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecutions and sufferings. Saints, that is your job description going forward. That you and I are examples of following God's teaching, following God's Jesus conduct, following Jesus purpose, following Jesus faith, following Jesus patience, following Jesus love. Following Jesus, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings. Then he goes on to say, as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured and out of them all, there's that word again, the Lord rescued me. Amen. His mother, Timothy's mother, was saved in Paul's first missionary journey. And it was during Paul's first missionary journey, he was dragged out of, I believe it was Lystra, and stoned to death. And they drug him out of the city and left him for dead. And that he arose as the disciples stood around him, praying in turbo tongues, no doubt. And he arose. Now, Timothy had seen these things, and that's what he meant. You saw what happened. On his next, on the second missionary journey, that's when he drafted Timothy to come with him. How I many you know what I'm talking about here? And here's an interesting thing. That Titus and Epaphroditus and many of the other Greek believers, Gentile believers who were with him, were not compelled to be circumcised. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told Timothy, who was also not circumcised because his father was a Gentile, even though his mother was a Jew. And if you know the way the Jewish uh, pattern works, that is, if your mama's a Jew, you're a Jew. If your father's a Jew, maybe. That's, they're just kind of realistic about those things. And so he wanted Timothy to go with him, but he felt like he needed to circumcise him. So because of the other Jewish communities in the area. And so I'm sure he had this talk with Timothy saying, Timothy, we're going to you need to be circumcised. We're going to circumcise you. And Timothy's going, is Epaphroditus circumcised? No. Is Titus circumcised? No. How about, you know, Trophimus? No. Uh -oh. Why me? Why am I the only one? Have you ever felt that way? Well, if you have, you're in good company. All right. There will be things that God will tell you, speak to you, and he will reveal to you and show you forward. And you'll be thinking, you know what? I don't know anybody else that has to do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, he just shot down my very best excuse. <laughs> now, years ago, 2019, the Lord showed us, spoke to us before it even happened. 
uh, just a month or so before the COVID outbreak in China, which of course made its way around the world and the lockdowns and all of that stuff as our government followed in the footsteps, our government, the United States of America following in the footsteps of the Chinese Communist Party. And then they come up with these jabs for everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And the Lord, I, I standing right here during run through, I looked up to the back and I saw it just an acceleration, just like, you know, the enterprise. And we're going to be all over the map with movie references today. So just strap in, you know, it's just like when, you know, when uh, Picard says engage, you know, and the you know, stars all smear. That is very much. It wasn't exactly that, but it was very much. And I saw Christians some people I knew, unfortunately, peeling off because they couldn't hang on. It was moving too fast and they could not hang on. And then he spoke to me and said, the world around you is about to change and it'll be so fast. It'll seem like it happened overnight. Well, just a few months later, we had the lockdowns and everything. Our world has never and we are not going back to the way it was. Just forget it. Years before that. Near, what? Nearly, you know, in 20, 2002, he spoke to me and said, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. Well, the nuance of that is why would they be left behind? Because they're not following. They're not following him close enough. And so that's why he's saying, travel with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. And that's what that word follow means. All right. And so as things pick up speed, how many of you remember learning how to drive? Anybody? It's been so long ago. Some of you forgot. Either forgot learning or how to drive, one of the two. But anyway, the fact is, you know, how many of you discovered that the faster the car goes, the more careful you have to be with steering input? Because that which is not a big deal at 15 or 20 or even 25 miles an hour turns into it's amplified by the speed. It's amplified by that acceleration. It's no different in an aircraft. We've got right there on your true speed indicator on your on your panel and it has uh, it's got a, a green arc and then a yellow arc and then a red arc and whenever you whenever you're in the green arc you can do whatever maneuvers are approved when you're in the yellow arc you got to be careful because you're going too fast to do some things and you're never supposed to fly in the red arc period because the aircraft's not designed to fly that fast amen which is a pain in the neck but anyway as things pick up speed saints and I want you to hear me. We cannot be sloppy or careless in our walk with God. It is no longer, you know, every little thing that's happening today, every little decision is becoming increasing. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to freak anybody out. We have nothing to fear as long as we will stay hooked up. As long as we'll say, stay connected, we can't be half-hearted. We can't be haphazard in our walk with God. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verses 13, which Timothy had certainly read, and through 15, he says, take hold of instruction. Okay, for the word instruction, I want you to substitute in your mind training, because that's exactly what it means. Take hold of training. Don't let go. Guard her. Guard your training. For she is your life. Do not enter the flight path of the wicked. 
Do not go on their road. Do not, do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't even pass by it. Turn away and pass on. Stay away from it. Everybody say amen. What it was the first thing that Paul said. You followed my teaching. You followed my instruction. Would you be nervous if you're flying in a 7-3 or a 7-6 or a 7-7 and you're on your way to fill in the blank? Whatever wonderful place you like to go. And the pilot here, bing, the pilot comes on the, uh, the, uh, the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, we've just been advised that our, uh, our destination is completely socked in. Visibility is less than a mile. And so we have a bit of a problem. And that is on the day when they were doing instrument training, I had the flu. And so... I wasn't there and I promised them I would come back and read up on that but you know I just haven't got around to it yet so y'all pray for me that we get this thing done you talk about a test of your bladder control there it is because you've got somebody up there on the controls that has no idea of what they're doing because they didn't do the training and believe me, that wouldn't happen in an airliner because those guys train, 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 train. They're in the simulator twice a year at a bare minimum. All right. With somebody throwing everything but the kitchen sink at them. And so, but now take that example and put it on yourself. Put it on the people around us. Things, I've even told you before the end of the year, you are going to see major events beginning to happen. They're picking up speed. We've already seen a lot. We saw some bank failures. We saw some things of that. That, we're in the eye of the storm now. The first part's coming. There is much more to come. All right? The Lord's already warned us about that years and years ago. All right? And so we want to be ready. Look here. Well, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 2, where we just, you know, just read a little bit. Or, uh, well, no, it's a different, I was four. Here, Proverbs chapter 2. Begin with verse 6. For Yahweh, the Lord, gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a what? Shield to those who walk in integrity. Note the word integrity. We're coming back to that. Guarding the paths of justice. He just and righteousness. In other words, he just told us, stay off the path. Stay off the road of the wicked. Stay off the road of the lawless. Do not imitate them. Pass by it. Don't avoid it. Don't even look down that way. Because it goes on to say, he preserves, guarding the paths of justice, he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then, you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good. What? Course. Hallelujah. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Man, I'm telling you what, you, if this isn't marked in your Bible, you need to mark it and you need to be speaking it over yourself, speaking it over your own life. 
and doing the things necessary to, to, to activate those. Reach up there and flip the master switch on so those things are flying, are, are, are going to deliver you. Everybody say, save me from the way of evil from the individual. It's not just a man. It could be anybody who from the from the government official who speaks perverse things from those who leave the paths. There it is of uprightness to walk in ways, the ways of darkness. God gives us wisdom, discernment, provides a protected path. All these aviation things. I remember years and years ago, we were flying to Rochester to see Kathy's uh, mom. And we were in a Cessna 182 and we're flying up there and over, I, we, were, we weren't flying on an instrument uh, flight plan. We were flying VFR and between us and Rochester was a line of thunderstorms and I could see them coming. And I'm like, what am I gonna do here? Cause I don't have a weather radar in this airplane. It's a Cessna 182 for crying out loud. And control, you know, that I, you know, I, you know, I, I called, you know, the center and I said, I've got weather up here in front of me. And he said, uh, affirmative, if, if you would like, I can give you radar vectors. What he was telling me was, I see a hole. They've got four color radar. He said, I see a hole. And if you'll trust me, I'll get you through that. And I said, bring it on. He flew us right through there. There would be no way I could have seen that hole. But it was wide enough, and they're careful about that. And we flew right on through there and went straight on to our destination. Amen. Anybody, anybody get like a similar application to us in our life with the Lord? We have the controller living on the inside of us. As long as he is in control. All right. So, we live in a world of misdirection and deception. Remember what Jesus said back there in Matthew chapter uh, 24, beginning with verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the anointed one, I know the way, and will mislead many. We're going to talk about proliferating prophets next week, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about exactly the mechanism, how that works. And this just isn't in the government, it's on YouTube. Amen. Many will say, I'm anointed, God has shown me the way, follow me. Well, know them by their fruits. And but I want to talk about the drift that happens so very easily. Think of what's happening in our culture right now as a wind that's blowing. Here, three, four years ago, it was just a gentle breeze. Then it picked up to become a wind. Now it is coming to the point that it is approaching gale force. We're fighting in the courts to protect our children. We're fighting in the courts to keep people out of bathrooms. But people who, have, who are so lawless that they have rejected God's plan for their lives. The very, the very double X or XY chromosome structure that we have from birth. And to say nothing of the other, everything else. And we're having to fight. There was a day, I remember 15, 20, no, it's longer than that, 30 years ago. When Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin were, were ministering in this meeting in which I was, they were, they were together. And they both were talking about how they, had, uh, they saw persecution coming to the church in America. And at the time I was saying, how on earth could that happen? 
What? You know, well, they're older. You know, etc. But, you know, but I filed it away, obviously. And look what's happening today. Did you see that woman that, that won that Supreme Court case where she, you know, did not have the, the state of Colorado was going to force her to produce a website. She's a web designer and she was going to have to, to produce LGBTQ website stuff like that. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And the state tried to sit on her and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court told state to go sit in the corner and shut up. Amen. You know, amen. But we're having to go to court to be, to just have common sense. We're going to court to stand for what the scripture says. And she has received massive amounts of death threats and all kinds of horrible things. Because this demon is militant. Well, again, future. All right. So here we go. Uh, we are, it's, the wind is blowing. Look here at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Or look up. <laughs> For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Notice he doesn't just say attention. He said, for this reason, we must. It is an absolute necessity. It is not an option. We absolutely positively have to pay closer attention to what we have heard. In fact, when it says for this reason, what is he talking about? He goes, what's the last thing he says before that? For are they not? Well, wait a minute. Go back to verse 13 of chapter one. But. Uh, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand and, uh, I, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Then he refers to the angelic beings. He says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? For this reason, we must pay closer attention. Why? To have ourselves in position so those ministering spirits can do what God has sent them to do. If I'm not going to cooperate, their hands are tied. What does it say? This is Psalm 37. You know, praise the Lord, all you his mighty angels. That, you know, who hearken to the voice of his word. You know, a lot of people are out there telling angels to do this and angels to do that and angels to do something else. Well, the Lord is the one who's directing traffic. Amen. And he says, be where I tell you to be. I've got help coming. Amen. Help will be there. So he says, for this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. Again, Hebrews 2 and 1. So that we do not drift away from it. Notice it doesn't say run away. It says drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect To read the approach plates that we were supposed to read that day, but didn't do it because we were sick. And we promised the instructor we would, but then somehow never got around to it. How many of you follow me here? All right. How shall we? Now, does that mean God is mad at, his, at any of his children who are disobedient or lazy or recalcitrant or anything like that? The answer is no. 
When he says, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. He's crying over them. He is weeping over them. He is heartbroken over them because they are going to do. They're going to go through needless suffering. Because they're out of position. It's, it's, you know, it's not unlike, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, in the army and we're, we're down in a foxhole or something. Bullets are flying around and some guy says, you know, I'm going to do thus and so or gets angry or something like that. In fact, I remember Bill Cosby doing a thing about this saying, they got Charlie and I'm going to get him. I said, man, stay down. Like that. No. And he stands up and we're to do what we're trained to do. Where to be, where we're trained, you know? The guy who was the first to die in Vietnam, first American soldier, was in my unit. He was a, he was a, he was, and he, he messed up. You know what he did? He called in an arc light, a B-52 raid, on his own position. They named a hospital after him. Small consolation. Amen. I don't know if it was because he didn't realize he was, he was a, a net finder, a, a direction finder. And he called in. They were doing some radio stuff. And he called this B-52 raid, an arc light, in on his own position. And I don't know if it's because he accidentally gave him his own position or he didn't realize he was so close to the enemy. Either way, he was killed by our own bombs. I think somewhere in the training manual, it says, do not be close to the place where thousand pound bombs are coming out of the sky, especially your own. Be in position. And, you know, notice that, come back up here to Hebrews 2 and 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved What's that next word? Unalterable. And every transgression and disobedience, how shall we escape? Guess what? The word of God is not alterable. And we have people rewriting it today on, an, on a grand and epic scale. And claiming, I've, I've read some stuff that having been trained in Greek, having been trained in church history, having been trained... You know, in these things, I look at them, and they're putting out all this stuff and it is intellectual bombastic blather. It is obfuscation. It is a smokescreen. It is lies dressed up to sound like the truth. In the days to come, I'm going to be getting down and dirty about the way demons work. So, you will know, I'm going to be and we're going to be using scripture for it. I'm going to be using I'm going to use a scripture for every bit of it. So you see what's going on with people, because what does Paul say? We wrestle not with Democrats. We wrestle not with Republicans. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with principalities, powers, cosmic forces of, uh, uh, over this present darkness. These are demonic spirits. These are the sworn enemies of God. We deal with those things. Now, I'm not going to, you know, everybody's, oh, he's going to have a scene, a devil on every doorknob and a demon behind every bush. No! Just be aware. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I got nothing to fear. Now turn to somebody else and say, and I got nobody to fear. In Revelation 18, a voice from heaven 
calls to the people who are in Babylon, Christians who are in the great whore, the religious system of the day that has directed people to worship idols. Somebody said, well, I, I don't know anybody that worship idols. Let me tell you something. I, you can trace these behaviors that we're seeing today in the world around us directly back to pagan deities. Everlast one of them. And believe me, God is not above judging them. And he is, he will. And you don't want to be calling in your arc light on your own position. And he's a voice. Uh, listen to this. Verse four. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Look at this. So that you will not participate in her sins. We have good Christian people. And I'm, when I say good, I mean, I believe they love the Lord. I believe their hearts are right. And they want to do. But they are completely deceived. And they think that God blesses same-sex marriage. And God blesses people who want to transition. And, they, and those things. When clearly from the scripture, this is not true. That you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. So in other words, if I walk that path, whatever is on that path is going to befall me. The child of God. And while all these people, these, you know, are walking down that path, here I am going, oh, this is a little weird. I mean, you know, and the demonic spirits are going, yes. No. And we're, we're going to talk about prayer and how you have authority in your family. You have authority when it comes to your children. You have authority when it comes to your grandchildren. I remember when we were training in police academy, our instructor at one point was talking about a confrontation. He said, and he even said, you're the one with the gun. And this was back before concealed carry and, you know, before we rediscovered our Second Amendment rights. Right. And, you know, it's like and he we went through many examples of how a police officer was either shot and killed or seriously wounded because he never pulled his own weapon. It's almost like he forgot he had it on. How many Christians have suffered needlessly because they have forgotten what's theirs, forgotten who they are, or worse, have never taken the time to be taught. And so it's a permanent ignorance. You know, we are, oh, well, let's, okay, let's go back to that where it says there. Any attitude where we want to stay there and we just want to, you know, well, that's okay. I'm not going to, I, you know. We're under a lot of pressure. It's a whole lot easier to be like the world. Just to flow, roll with the flow, to go along, to get along. But let's call it that what it is. That is unbelief. Pure and simple. If you're on, a, if you're on you and your, your friends are on, you know, ra uh, canoeing down the Niangua River out here. And somebody says, there's been an earthquake and there's a 200 foot drop. Um, you know, waterfall right up there. If you believe that, you're going to pull out of the river. If you don't believe that, unbelief, 
right over there. And well, look at all these other people. They don't believe it either. Ah, let's just go with everybody else. If we pull out here, they'll make fun of us. If they pull out, if we pull out here, they'll say, what a bunch of scaredy cats. You believe that crazy man? You know, I'm telling you, when you try to talk to some people about some of the stuff that's coming, they think of you like the guy, the crazy man with the sandwich board out on the streets of New York 30 years ago that's saying the end is near. Well, actually, he was right. In the overall scheme of things, I was reading in Ezekiel the other day where Ezekiel is prophesying, God is prophesying over Edom, how that he is going to punish them with his own people. And it happened. 480 years later, it happened just like he said. The Hasmonean dynasty went in there and cleaned their clock, subjugated them. 480 years. God just moves so fast. In the blink of an eye, it happened. That's the way we expect it. Can you think about Abraham? God says, I'm going to give you a son. 25 years later. Now, why did it happen? Why was it 25 years? Number one, so that Abraham would know it was a miracle and nobody else could say anything about it. And number two, because God knew Abraham didn't have 486 years to wait. Whoa. The Greek word for unbelief is the word for faith with an A in front of it. Like we would say, that's typical. Or we might say, that's atypical. Atypical means it's not typical. You know, it is morphing or it is amorphous. That is a moral point. That is amoral, not immoral, but amoral. So it is literally unfaith. Unbelief is unfaith. All right. This is not a time for us to start cherry picking which obediences from the scripture we wish to comply. Amen. Leaving alone the things that somehow are distasteful to us or too much of a, a sacrifice or whatever. That is the road to trouble. We are under tremendous pressure to unfaith. Unfaith will bring, walking in unfaith will bring easier social acceptance and even applause from the lawless and from the world. Unfaith promises to uncomplicate our lives. Just roll with it. That is exactly the drift to which Hebrews 2.1 refers. Many, many good Christians would never think about adultery or never think about, you know, uh, fornication or think about robbing quick trips for money or any of the grosser sins. But we'll compromise on the little things. And I remind you what the scripture says, that it is the little foxes that spoil the vine. What did Jesus say? He who is righteous in a small thing is righteous in much. Well, you know, I know, I know I really don't, I don't. If Jesus had his say, I probably wouldn't watch this movie. Owie. Listen to this kind of music or whatever. Somebody might say, well, why is that important? Because those are the kind of things that innervate, that literally suck the life out of our faith. They are parasitic. Remember when the, uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus Gird himself with a, with, a, with a towel and got up and started washing their feet. P 
Peter freaked. And you know Peter. I love Peter. I do. I'm a Peter type. He goes, never shall you wash my feet. It was too menial. You know, here is his teacher, his Lord, his master doing this menial thing. Never shall you wash my feet. He said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. So we got back up on the road and went straight over into the other ditch. Now, my head and my hands too. No, Peter. You know, he who has taken a bath is already clean. And you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. But your feet need to be washed. What is that? The dust of the world. The contamination of the world. As we pass through this life, that contamination will cling to our feet. That's why we have to go to the Lord and get that cleansed. He's still the only one who can do it. And we need to get that, get that off. Why? Because if we don't, guess what? It starts hardening. It starts working its way up. And it becomes, and it metastasizes. Jesus wants to wash that off. And the more deeply we go into this darkness, the greater precision, back to our driving illustration, is required in our walk, we can't be sloppy in our thinking. We can't be sloppy in our believing. We can't be sloppy in our spiritual walk. That doesn't mean you can't make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And God is with us in the middle of that and redeems us from those. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And He'll still love us. But anybody that thinks, well, it doesn't matter, I can do that. And Grace covers it. That's a complete misunderstanding of biblical grace. Maybe I'll go to heaven, but I will be a splat on the wall down here. Why on earth? How much longer are you going to talk, Pastor? I got one more question. Why on earth? You know, I've talked about, I've talked about flying, talked about the precision approach. You have to fly those needles right down to the, to the runway. Remember the first time I ever did that, Aaron was... We were flying up to, uh, flying up. Were you, Faith, were you with us on that flight? She was with us. We were in the clouds. I mean, we were above the clouds going to Tulsa. We were flying out of Lee Summit. And then, I mean, when we got into Tulsa Tracon, they immediately put us in the clouds. And all we could say, oh, I do remember because you and mom were sitting in the back seat. And they're back there just chattering like magpies the whole trip until we got to flying in the clouds. And it got quiet back there. And we're, and it's, of course, it's a little bumpy because you're in you know, like this and he's given us and I'm flying my like this. And I turned to Aaron. I said, I'm flying my scan. I got my scan going. You let me know when you see the runway. He said, OK. So, they, you know, they took me out. They turned me in. I caught the localizer on an ILS approach, started losing altitude. You're watching that altimeter go down. You can't see anything. We flew over the outer marker and that button was turned on. So it starts going beep, 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 beep. Like this. And Aaron goes, what's that? I said, that's a good noise. You want to hear that? And we came on down, continuing to drop. And then, woof, the clouds got like that. And there was the runway right smack in front of us. I love it when the plan comes together. And we touched down and I got applause from the back seat. <laughs> and thank you, Jesus. Oh, you too, Dad. You, you know what? When you're going to something like that, close is not, won't work. 
you know. And, you know, it's like somebody, why are we so precise when it comes to physical things, but when it comes to spiritual things, well, it'll be okay. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, we get real fuzzy there. Why? Because we don't see an immediate impact. You know, it's like if you go out and you say, oh, look at those wheels. I like those wheels. I'm going to put those big old tires. You see these cars going down with these airplane wheels, you know, on their, on their, on their, on their cars. And if they don't adjust their speedometer, guess what? It's going to lie to them. And when the policeman pulls them over and says, what are you doing going 20 over? I wasn't going 20 over. My speedometer said I was only doing like three over. My radar says you were going, or my laser says you were going 20 over. Well, I wonder if it's the wheels. Duh. And so when you stand up in front of the judge, you know what? He ain't going to care. It was your responsibility to think of that when you put them on. Amen. And if that happened in a school zone... They're going to take away your birthday and they are going to make you and, the, and your dessert card and you're going to wear olive drab underwear for the rest of your life. All right. But I didn't know. One time I pulled into, I was driving a diesel rabbit. That's what it was, 1978 Volkswagen diesel rabbit. Pulled into the fuel dispensing depot there at 7 and 70. You know, the one that's on the east side of 7 and I mean, I've been driving this diesel for a couple of years and without thinking, grab the gasoline nozzle, stick it in there and I'm, whoa, and I stop and I look, now this thing had about 11 or 12 gallon tank and I looked at the pump, how much gas did I put in it? I put in about five and a half gallons, almost six. And I thought, oh no, now I've got a choice. Do you get back, do you fill it up with diesel the rest of the way and hope that everything goes okay? I immediately got on the phone, called the guy who sold me that car and worked on it and everything. I said, Wayne. He said, yeah, I just put five gallons. I just put diesel. I mean, I just put gasoline in my rabbit tank. He goes, really? You could hear the disappointment. And I said, yes. He goes, well, it happens. He's trying to make me feel better. He said, how much did you put in there? I said, I put in five or five and a half gallons. He goes, call the tow truck. He said, that's too much. You'll, you'll, you'll blow your engine up. What if I said, you know what? I'm just going to believe it's going to be okay. <laughs> See, we're very precise when it comes to things like that. But spiritually, it's like, Oh, yeah, 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 you know, those are famous last words. Oh, Lordy. One last thing. Okay, nine last things. <laughs> Nervous laughter throughout the building. Let's go back to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews 12.1. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah. I'm telling you, this is, we're, we're, we're in serious days. These are serious words. I know I'm making us chuckle, but that's just to kind of break the tension. <laughs> All right. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we have so great, this is at the end. This is after the roll call of faith in Hebrews 11. 
Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin, which I've discussed before is discouragement, which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance. What? The race that is set before us. I do not get to choose my own path. There is a level of maturity in faith that, to which we can finally attain where we realize that God's chosen path for me or for you, for us, is better than anything we would have chosen for ourselves. And anything we had to give up to go his way is trash. And that if other people go down that road, that's fine. What was it your mama used to say? You know, well, so-and-so, Randy and Jackie and Ray were doing this. I'm not Randy, Jackie, and May's mother. I am your mother. Remember mama saying that? And so, you know, we don't, we don't get to choose that path. And that path is exact. How many of you have seen the movie Hunt for Red October? Great movie, great movie. How do submarines navigate underneath the water? They can't use sonar. They could, but if they did that, all the enemy submarines would know exactly where they are because they're making noise, right? So what they do is once in a while, discreetly, they will surface and they will put up a radio mast and they'll get a radio fix or they'll use their periscope to get a celestial fix so they'll know exactly where they are. And they plot that. Now ocean currents and all this stuff fit into it. But in the movie, which this isn't, this is pure fiction, but hang with me here. They were saying, wasn't there, you know, some sort of a real fast thing, uh, they call it uh, way out of here called Red Route 1, where they have hyper accurate maps of the ocean bottom and they can navigate that. And so here goes Marco Ramius, uh, Sean Connery, going in his submarine between these massive, that's in the bottom of this, this cavern, and they've got Thor's twins and the Neptune massive and all these things that if they even brush up against it, they're going to they, they potentially sink. And they go this way and they know that they're supposed to go this way exactly so long. And then they change to this course exactly for so long and to that course exactly so long. And that gets them through it. Saints, we have a hyper accurate map to life. It is the scripture. It is the word of God. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine a navigator sitting there at his plot table saying, well, Thor's twins are right here and there's the Neptune massive. But you know what? That's kind of in an inconvenient place. So I'll just move it back a little bit. You're going to die. We would never do that in the natural. We would never do that. Somehow. Somehow, though. When it comes to spiritual things, it's okay to be fuzzy and indistinct. Switching from a movie to mythology. Odysseus, the hero of Homer's Odyssey. You may recall that they're going along and they're approaching the island of the Sirens. Now the Sirens were these beings who sang. They were these female beings that sang this song that was so beautiful. It was so alluring that those who heard it were just drawn to it. And we use that, you know, although I don't know if 
some of the generation coming up underneath, you know, understands what a siren song is. And Odysseus makes the decision, I want to hear it. And so every, all the other guys who are rowing got, you know, wax in their ears intentionally. They put it all in there. And that, but Odysseus didn't have wax in his ears and they tied him to the mast so that as they, they rode by. And the, the reason it was important was because so many sailors had heard the song go, ah, and then they run into the rocks and are killed. That is our current culture. The siren alluring Promising freedom, the scripture says, while delivering bondage. And, you know, you know, well, it wouldn't hurt to deviate just a little here, would it? When you know you're deviating, you're a deviant. How many of you, you know what I mean. I'm not trying to be insulting. There's no stop. We can continue to serve the Lord and just, you know, dabble with this or dabble with that. I mean, what could it hurt? Really? Compromise, trade-offs, substitutions. In 2013, the good folks that make Hostess Twinkies made the decision, we're going to change our recipe because Twinkies don't have, we need it to have a longer shelf life so we can make more money. But what came out was not fluffy and, and spongy and nice. Any, any other Twinkie fans in here? Yeah. What came out was harder, stiffer. Sales crashed. They'll never notice. Yeah, they did. Amen. We don't change the recipe. I don't know how many ways I can say this. Course, recipe, you know, new tires. Change your oil. They tell you to do that. Have you ever seen the inside of an engine that people didn't change their oil? <gasps> Ew. And then they wonder why they've got a $4,500 bill to replace that motor. Or more. All right. I'm using innocuous examples here, but I'm here to tell you. The stakes here are very, very high. We live in a lawless world. And the winds of lawlessness are blowing. If our musicians would come. We'll close with this. Going on, go back to Proverbs chapter 2. I appreciate your patience. For Yahweh gives wisdom, and is, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in what? Integrity. The linchpin of this entire passage is that word integrity. Integrity means that that is someone who integrates that truth of the scripture into every area of his or her life. Amen. Would it be, would it be chief cook on the front row? If you're making a cake and you pour the ingredients of the cake, you know, the powder that is going to become the cake, you pour it into the big bowl and then you put in a little oil or milk or butter or whatever it is and then you begin to mix it is it cool for there to be lumps of that cake mix in there when you're done when you pour it into the cake you know lumps of the powder is that cool no why not what 
Integration, it's, it's not properly integrated. Integrity, integration. So in other words, when you pour that stuff in there, you ladies or you gentlemen who are mixing the cake, you integrate, you, you beat that thing within an inch of its life until it is smooth and not lumpy. It's a complete integration of the ingredients. That is where we take that word of God. People of integrity take that word and they integrate it into every area of our lives. Now, I understand it's a growth process and there are areas of everybody's life that are relatively untouched because we haven't grown to that point. But God isn't interested in perfection as much as he is in progress. And you'll be surprised if you're walking in all the light you have. What does it say over in 1 John? He who walks in the light, right? That he, you know, well, if we'll walk in the light, he who is, you know, he who walks in the light, that the Lord will forgive us of our sins. So in other words, as long as I'm walking in all the light I have, I'm doing the best I can with what I know so far, and I'm still trying to grow, etc. God will work for me in ways he will not for somebody who's blundering ahead and intentionally leaving some of the word behind. Are you with me? All right. That integrity, that integration, that is the response of faith. I believe it. So I do it. I act on it. And then it's no mystery that now he is a what? Shield. What does Paul call the shield? The shield of faith. Isn't it interesting the way all this fits together so beautifully? The shield of faith. We walk in that faith. He becomes our shield. We must reject Designer spirituality. There's no such thing. Amen. Uh, we, you know, we, there's no, you know, Paul talks about self-made religion. It's dangerous. It's lawless. It's, it's out of, we're in an out of control world. We're in the submarine. We're in the deep. We're in the dark. We are going. We get the occasional fix and we can navigate it properly and get where we're going and God will see to it. We don't get sunk along the way. We are not citizens of this world. We are not of what Paul in uh, Ephesians in two different places refers to the sons of disobedience. We are the remnant. We are those. We are going to cling to God no matter what. I used to have a, my, well, my sister had a dog named Ignacia Brianna McKinky. Now there's a moniker for an animal. She's a little black uh, terrier, Scotty dog, you know. And she was a terrier. She loved to play. And my sister had one of these rubber rings that was about that big around. And you could grab that ring and go ah, like that. And Bree would come up and just clamp a hold of it. And she was not going to let go. And I wish we had video of this, but I'm out in the backyard with that dog and I'm going like this. I am swinging that dog and that dog is off the ground and I'm looking right at her and she's looking right back at me and you can see the world going around us and I'm going, come on, Bree, and she's going, arr, arr, arr. she is not going to let go. Now she had a lot of trust in me that I wasn't going to let go and send her flying. 
which I wouldn't, but she would not let go. I mean, she was going to win. That's the kind of tenacity. That's perseverance. We latch hold of God. We latch hold of that word. We are not citizens of this world. We do not quit. We do not let up. We do not turn back. We are to be lights. We are to be love in this generation. We are to shine. We are imagers of he who is of him who is love. Walking in the light. Walking in faith. Walking in obedience. Walking in the very power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, thank you for staying with us. Went a little longer today. Well, the whole service did. But that's okay. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want to encourage you right now. Because I'm here to tell you, as things, as, as this, the, the winds that are blowing now, when we're at gale force, they're going to hurricane force. And if you are not rooted and grounded in Him, you will be blown away. It's, I don't know how else to put it. I've used a lot of different metaphors today. I hope at least one of them got through. How do you come to Jesus? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is the Son of God and that God the Father has raised Him from the dead. And you just say, look, Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe you've raised Him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I mean, you're saying that from your heart. Be my Lord. This isn't just some formula. This is a prayer of conviction and commitment to Him. And Scripture says you will go out from under the boot of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Christian, if this, if, if you're thrilled with everything I had to say today, praise God. If, however, some of the things I said concern you because you look at your own attitude or you look at your own life and you say, eh, I don't know if I'm doing all that, don't freak out about it. Don't get in condemnation. Not, that is not where I intended for us to go. Just say, okay, Lord, I see the need. Help me. Help me, Lord. I commit my way to you. And he who loves you more than anyone else in this universe will help you. That is the grace of God at work. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play, you can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook. Again, under Independence Christian Center or at our website, iccfamily.org. iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.